Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get it? The Bird Show. I don't even like doing celebrity interviews anymore. I know you don't. I don't. It's not like I used to. I used to love them. Love them. J-Lo walk in this door. That was exciting, right? Uh, who else used to walk in this door? Uh, Lady Gaga walk in this door. Had a great conversation with her. Uh, Justin Bieber used to be in here all the time. But the, the celebrities now are so few and far between that understand that this is a mutual relationship. Like, you've got a project to sell, be it your world tour, which 30 Seconds of Mars is going on with a new album. Um, but we need something for listeners that don't know about you all that much, don't really care all that much. So what are you going to give us about personal life or insight? And most celebrities don't want to do that anymore. Well, it's, it's weird because um, if you pull back the curtain on radio, country artists give it up for country yeah. radio. Uh -huh. Pop artists do not give it up for pop radio. And I don't know if we brought this on ourselves as well, because a lot of morning shows tried doing goofy stuff when they got celebrities in studio, and maybe artists just didn't want to come in and deal with us anymore. But for whatever reason, it's just not nearly as fun until you get the right celebrity mm -hmm. in studio. And Jared Leto was one of those. Uh, he He's up there like Kelly Clarkson is yes. always... A pleasure to talk to. Um, and I've had some also fabulous chats with Ed Sheeran as well. Like, yes. he's just a very easy dude to interview and to talk to. Pink, I put up oh, yeah. in that category also. Mm -hmm. Just a give it up. Any question is on the table. Sometimes we will get requests from the label or the representative saying, hey, these are the things you can talk about. These are the things you can't talk about. And we immediately, like, eliminate those interviews because they're not authentic but that's how it is most of the time now like we could tell he genuinely wanted to be here yeah. and he through mm -hmm. our conversation we found out he has um, a true appreciation for radio and it was refreshing because I feel a lot of people when they come in and do some of these interviews it's you can tell it's like out of obligation like they don't want to do it but they got to do it because mm -hmm. like their label and their their people are making them but he he's he, he was here because he wanted to be here. He's the real deal. Now, if you're like, Jared Leto, I think I know that name. Uh, Dallas Buyers Club. I thought he was absolutely brilliant in. That's what he won an Academy Award for. Suicide Squad. He was in that also. What else am I forgetting here? Um, Let's see. Alexander. Yep. Fight Club. American Psycho. He was in Fight Club? Uh-huh. Haunted Mansion. He's been, if you look at his his repertoire of what he's done, you'll be like, oh, 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 he has been in some of the biggest movies in American pop culture. House of Gucci. Yeah. Dude is just so talented, man. In every art, he just attacks it. So um, in this particular part of us talking to him, he really is like the most interesting man in the world. And I think the thing that 
drew me to him, and I think, Mo, you brought this up also, is he's got this fearlessness. Like, I think most of us live in a fear, so we don't try a lot of things because we're afraid that we're going to fail, right? This dude couldn't care less about failing, right? So what can you learn from Jared Leto? Bring the car around. We're going for a drive. Hey, I'm Jared Leto from 30 Seconds to Mars. Chat's gonna get in chat. Oh my god. Thanks for coming in. Oh yeah. Appreciate it. Happened to be uh, in the neighborhood. <laughs> what brought you to the neighborhood? Uh nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't in us. the neighborhood at all. No. <laughs> I will let you know right here, Jared Leto, that what you're seeing here is a facade. It is. This oh, is a facade right here. This is AI. Uh, well, <laughs> almost women dressed up with makeup on oh, wow. for a morning show. This is not what I see. <laughs> Every day. You didn't dress up for me? No, uh, this is dressed up for me. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> and I did have the thought on the way over here, actually, and this is really weird. I only live about four minutes from the radio station, and for whatever reason, I wanted to smell good for you today. And I forgot to put my cologne on on the way up, and it really got into my head. Well, you know what? It's the thought that counts. <laughs> <laughs> you did think about it. I happen to think you smell terrific. Thank you. I appreciate that. Jared Leto in studio with The Bird Show this morning. So over the weekend, I think we probably were all doing a deep dive and doing our homework on Jared Leto. And usually when I start doing research, I'm usually done with it in an hour and a half, two hours, right? But you, my dude, you are a fascinating creature. <laughs> Especially if you read the internet. Yeah, right. <laughs> when they picked that Doseki guy as the most interesting guy in the world, they got it wrong. They did. It's yeah. you. Well, you seem to have, and this I think was the thing that was drawing me most into wanting to find out more about you, this fearlessness that you seem to have about everything that you attack in life. Where does that come from, and is it true? Well, I appreciate it. You know, my mother actually is probably my biggest inspiration, and, you know, she was a very young mom. She had two kids by the time she was 19, and... You know, she really fought hard to make a better life for herself. And, you know, I, I learned a lot from her about independence, about following your dreams, about, you know, the fact that it's okay to have a creative life, a wild life, a risky life. So I would say my mother. Oh, That's a good answer. Good answer. Great answer. Uh, I'm sure your mom appreciates it too, yeah. doesn't she? She better. <laughs> I find that I get more driven, actually, by the fear of failure. Yeah. than I do by the excitement of success. Which one is that for you? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, failure is a great teacher and fear is a great fuel, right? They both drive you those things. And I think they're essential. They should teach us that, you know, mm -hmm. to not avoid those things, but to recognize them as like, okay, maybe I am headed in the right direction. You know, they're both important. They certainly get me up in the morning and they mm -hmm. push me harder. Now, having yeah. just climbed the Empire State Building, <laughs> I think it's obvious heights is not a fear of yours. Yeah. Is there anything that you are fearful of or that you would never do? Yeah, there's a lot. You know, I'm really scared of sharks. Yeah. Oh. Um, but oddly, I got into free diving 
recently. Now, how does that happen? You know, uh, gosh, it's just one of those things. And I do have some fear of heights, but it has to be really, really high. I mean, the how much that, higher does it get than the Empire yeah. State Building? I mean, <laughs> you know, that's a good question. Uh, there were a couple of times during that climb where I almost fell. And even though I was in a position where I might have been, you know, okay, it was still pretty scary. Mm -hmm. uh, and on the second day, I actually climbed it two days in a row. And the second day, I would climb a little bit and stop to film and climb a little bit and stop to film. And while I stopped, I would sit back and then kind of swing out over the abyss. And wow. that was, uh, yeah, your stomach kind of dropped out. And Damn. And you didn't soil fun. yourself. Yeah, I did definitely <laughs> myself. I'll tell you after the show. <laughs> but it was 40 degrees out and it was 41 mile per hour winds. Oh. I was standing on a quarter inch rivets, little bolt heads and very sharp and very small handholds. And, you know, there's some people out there who think that maybe I was pulled up or it was a stunt and it actually wasn't. I love the climb. I'm obsessed with climbing and it was really hard yeah. to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like his face lights up. Yeah. He's like, oh, my God, you guys. And I almost died. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah. But really fun. I was always obsessed with that building as a kid. I was fascinated with it. And for me, it kind of was obviously a symbol of New York. And New York was a, a place that you went to make your dreams come true. Sure. I always wanted to be an artist, and New York was the place to go make it happen. Jared Leto in studio with The Burt Show this morning. Staying in the vein of fearlessness, I was inspired by reading about your earliest stages when you took a lot of risk and a lot of leaps of faith in order to really get to gain your success. Like, what did you learn about life in those stages, and what was that like for you? You know, it was really kind of a... A slow process, it felt like. You know, I wanted things to happen so much quicker, and I felt often like I was failing. And I was. You fail all the time. I fail all the time. I probably fail more than anybody I've ever met in my life. When is the last time you failed at something big? Oh, well, you know, you do things all the time. And even with Empire, it was, we had a thousand no's, and I just convinced myself to hear maybe, you mm -hmm. know. And I mean, honestly, they said, nope not going to happen. And we just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And arguably the getting the permission to do it was as hard, if not harder than climbing itself. But it happens all the time. I mean, I wrote 300 songs just to get 11 worthy of the album. Wow. You know, and it's part of the process. You fail one night on stage, you have a great song, your voice isn't as working as well as you want it to. So it's part of the process. So you said you wrote all those songs and 11 end up on the album that we're going to get more into in just a couple of seconds. You don't see that as a failure, though, the ones that didn't make the album? Well, I think so. I mean, you could chalk it up. It's, it, it's, it's certainly, I guess it's success in some way because it's what it takes to get those that are remaining. But yeah, you fail. I mean, they don't work. They don't come together. You you play them for someone and you might play seasons early on and people go, oh, there's something special there. And then you play another song you're equally excited about and people are like, what else you got? <laughs> you know, so yeah, in, in some sense you want, when you write music, at least I'd want to connect with people. I want the songs to become a fabric of someone's life. That's why I love radio so much. You know, radio is this really magical thing. Every time I hear my song on the radio, it's yeah. incredible. I'll call my brother, hey, we're on the radio. <laughs> Take a some picture. Kind of, yeah, some kind oh, of magical it's about It's always stuff. incredible. And it's a way for people to get to know music in a way that you can't anywhere else. And it's changed my life. So I love it. Now, how does, you know, when you're in your band, 30 Seconds to Mars, how do you all decide which songs make the cut for the album? Well, you know, it's kind of a collective consciousness thing. You know, when I was younger, I was a little more dictatorial, you know. I mean, I 
I've learned to to share a lot more. It was important for me when I was young to have the responsibility. And now I'm, you know, I'll ask anybody, you know, but I try to see, you know, obviously my brother has uh, 50% of the decision and always has, but you start to understand what songs are working. Some you're excited to finish, some you kind of get burned out on, and maybe you finish them five years later. Most you throw out, though. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, your brother being in the band with you, so many people would say it's a huge mistake to work with family. Mm, but obvi- obviously, I wish I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one told you that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but obviously that's not, that, that's not the case for you guys. No, you know, we're at that age, too, where we're just filled with gratitude. You know, everything from here on out is just gravy. And um, every night on stage... We even just played this New Year's show. This, you know, the Dick Clark Rockin' New yeah, Year's. Man. We yeah. played the Dick Clark uh, <laughs> Rockin' New Year's. It was a blast. And, you know, I just look at him and I was, this is just incredible to do this. That you guys yeah. get to share this same experience? Yeah. And just play music. It happens to be more now than it ever has before where, you know, I'd be wrapped up in, in what's not working. You know, or that song or this part of that thing. I'm oftentimes on stage uh, and we played a lot of shows in Atlanta. We used to play the Cotton Club. You remember this place? I sort of do. This is a while back, though, yeah. like a long while back, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, I have a funny story about that quick one. Is I was playing this show at the Cotton Club, and I don't know if it held 200 people. I'm not sure. But it was a great show. We were just starting to sell some tickets, and, and the music was just starting to connect with people. And I looked down at this guy who's in the front row, literally right up against the stage, and he's just going off. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Who is that guy <laughs> down there? And it's just, hey, he's with all the people. And I said, is that Andre 3000? Come Shut on. Up. No. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> 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 He's down there rocking. I'm like, what? Well, <laughs> those I'm like, oh. and then sure enough, I go outside after the show. And he's just sitting out there talking to a couple of people. I'm like, hey, what's up, Ben? And he was just checking the show out. Wow, so that, cool. that is really cool. That's it does track. Yeah, that, that, that yeah. Yeah. Do you ever get nervous when you know that there are other musicians in the crowd or even backstage that have asked to come see you? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you do, but mostly we get excited. We do something at shows that's pretty uncommon when you play festivals oftentimes, especially the headliners or some of the bands that are on later, I think because they have bigger crews. So there's a logic to it, but a lot of times they lock down the stage. And you might have seen this too when you go to certain shows. When it comes down to it, you know, Beyonce is going to lock that stage down because there's 300 people running around, whatever. But we actually have an open stage. So we always invite other artists to come on the stage. And we like that. Uh We like that. You know, look, it's just packed on the side. It's a bit of chaos, you know, a bit of chaos. And it feels like throwback like, you know, 70s vibe where you just have people hanging everywhere. And uh, so I like it when I look over and see other artists. I saw Matthew McConaughey when I was at ACL uh, playing the festival. I looked down, I was like, and we had texted like a week or two before, but then, you know, kind of forgot about it. I looked down, I see... I bet he took you up on that. Well, you know, at first yeah. I was like, am I going to call him out? And I was like, yeah, I'm yeah. going to call him out. <laughs> Get up here. And he came up and, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> there is so much more to that interview. So much more. And he's just equally endearing. We talked to him for 40 minutes. <laughs> I know, right? He comes in here and just, I mean, we just had this great vibe with the dude. So we're going to play uh, the second part of it for you tomorrow. And then the full video will go up tomorrow as well online because there's just no way to play the entire interview on radio. But it's a video you want to watch because he's not 
aesthetically unpleasing. <laughs> he's, he's not unfortunate looking. No, he really isn't. So we'll put that up tomorrow morning. Get it? The Bird Show.